Greetings, loyal lunatics, and welcome to Volumes of Fear. Usually Winston, my assistant, handles the introductory responsibilities, but I felt it my obligation this time as we are coming to you from a new recording location. That's right, we will no longer be recording Volumes of Fear from the confines of the East Ridge Public Library. Instead, we have found a new recording location that I have christened the Dungeon of Despair. From here, without interruption or distraction, we will continue to bring you those tales of terror that keep you up at night and full of fright. I think you'd better hit the button. It's gonna get loud when she starts her motorcycle. Ah, very well. Listeners, without further ado, this is... Volumes of Fear. You're you're listening to Volumes of Fear. Where's, Where's the button? It's so loud. Prepare yourself for a tale of terror and suspense. Presented by Crimson Knight Productions. This is Volumes of Fear. Loyal lunatics, I must begin this broadcast with an apology. The background noise couldn't be helped as someone's grandmother decided that she needed to rev up her motorcycle right outside of the Dungeon of Despair. Obviously, our new recording location isn't all that it seems. True, it is somewhat macabre. It's rather dreary in here, void of light, filled with antiquity and relics, dead mice scattered about. However, I must be honest. We're actually in the garage located at Winston's grandmother's house. You see, we didn't leave the East Ridge Public Library by choice. No, we were asked to vacate the premises. Apparently, there were some complaints amongst the staff after they found out that I had been napping in the history section. It's laughable, really. No one visits that section of the library anyway. Nonetheless, we have vowed to carry on with our horror tales. And this evening, we begin anew with a new guest. Joining us in the Dungeon of Despair for tonight's story is Mr. Tom McNeil. You you still have time, correct? Yeah, the wedding isn't for another hour. Ah, uh, Mr. Piedmont? What is... Oh, oh, is she seriously coming back now? Let's break for a moment. I can't believe this. Okay, I think we're safe. Apparently someone forgot their chewing tobacco, but she is gone now, yes? I think so. She can be really unpredictable. Bit of a firecracker. Well, let's give this another try. Loyal lunatics, tonight's tale is called The Ghost of His Dreams. And sitting across from me is Mr. Tom McNeil. Tom, welcome to Volumes of Fear. Thank you, Piedmont. It's an honor. And after we finish our story here, remind me. I may have a solution to your recording facility issues. Will do. Now, recently, our guest had quite the ghostly experience. Tom, please regale us with your tale. Okay. My story starts when my wife, Roxanne, and I bought our first house. I still remember the day we first saw it. We were driving there to meet our realtor, Mrs. Ote, and when we first saw the house, both of us were enamored right away. 
I'm so excited, Tom. The photos online were really impressive. How much farther is it? It's up here, Roxanne. Right around the corner. What time is Mrs. Ote meeting us? She should be there now. She said to come right in. Wait a minute. Is that it? Yep, that's it. Tom, it's amazing. Roxanne was right. This house looked one way on the internet, but seeing it in person was a totally different experience. Photos just didn't do it justice. It was two stories and very old-fashioned looking. The color was gray, with like these maroonish red shutters and doors. It had such a charming look, and there was something about it that when I saw it, I knew this was the house for us. We pulled into the driveway, got out of the car, and took a quick look at the yard. Then we headed inside to meet our realtor, Mrs. Ote. Mrs. Ote, you in here? Here I am, darling. Looks like you kids found the place. Mrs. Ote had shown us a ton of different houses, but none of them had really hit us like this house. Mrs. Ote was an older lady and sorta eccentric, but she was a real whip. And she liked to talk. A lot. Well, what do you think? Did I do good or did I do good? It's great. Really. Yes, I love everything about it, Mrs. Otey. Oh, you know to call me Catherine, dear. I feel like we're practically family. Why don't you kids take a look around? I'm not crazy about the color of the house, but you know what they say. Never judge a book by its cover. My husband Chuck used to do that. He'd always be reading these terrible books just because the cover featured some little floozy in a provocative position. And I tell you what, sometimes Chuck would read passages to me. Um, Miss Ote, I'm sorry. We're really eager to get a look at this place. Oh, well, don't mind me. I don't want to get in your way. I always tell that to all my clients. Don't let me get in your way. Just like that. But sometimes I can just keep going. I don't even realize it's happening until it's been happening for a long time. Mrs. Ote was doing a rambling thing, and I could tell she wasn't going to stop. We had to quietly slip away to get a look at the inside of the house. On the main floor, there was a large living room, an impressive kitchen, and an inviting foyer. On the second floor, there were several bedrooms and a good-sized bathroom. Everything was old-fashioned, and the more I looked around, the more I knew I wanted this house. Roxanne felt the same way. This house is perfect, Tom. I know. Do you think we should make an offer? Yes, definitely. I think we should make one before we lose out. And like that, we decided to make an offer on the house. Sure, it needed some work, like a new roof, a good repainting, new electrical all throughout, a bunch of plumbing repairs, and the big cracks in the foundation would need to be addressed. But it was perfect. Mrs. Ote was thrilled. I'm thrilled. Now let me make some calls and we'll get the offer in. Things move fast in the world of real estate, especially when you're willing to pay 10% above the full price and agree not to get a home inspection. A week later, we were just about moved in and ready to begin the next adventure that life had for us. Uh-oh. Looks like the movers might have mishandled another box. Oh no, not again. What was in that one, Roxanne? Looks like your grandmother's fine china set. Oh yeah, well, hey, a little bit of glue and some patience will fix that right up. 
Anyway, I'm not going to let the destruction of a priceless fine china set that has been in my family for seven generations get in the way of me enjoying this house. That's a good attitude, Tom. <sighs> well, I'm not sure about you, but all of this unpacking has made me tired. I think I may turn in. Yeah, me too. The rest of this stuff will have to wait. Yep. Tomorrow's another day in the house of our dreams. Roxanne and I couldn't have been happier with the house. The day had been long, with all the moving and unpacking, and we were both tuckered out and looking to catch our 40 winks. That night, I brushed my teeth, threw on my pajamas, and jumped into bed. Roxanne was already asleep when I turned out the light. I dozed off quickly, but I wasn't asleep for very long when I heard something. It was a strange noise, like someone was wailing. At first I thought that maybe I was just having a strange dream. I was a little out of it, you know, having just been asleep, and I wasn't even sure what it was I was hearing. Then I heard it again. I was definitely hearing something. I was sure of it. The wailing, or whatever it was, was also closer now. Initially, it sounded like it was coming from somewhere on the first floor. But now it sounded closer. I'm not going to lie. I was pretty spooked. I wasn't sure what to do. Then I heard it again. This time it was right outside the door to our bedroom. I decided I was going to go see what was making this noise. But just as I was getting up, I saw something at the foot of the bed. It was the shape of a woman. She was wearing this old-timey dress and... She was floating in the air and was transparent. I could see right through her. And to make it creepier, she had this bluish glow to her. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Now, Roxanne had always been a heavy sleeper, and she hadn't even rustled once during this whole time. I wanted her to see this thing, so I gave her a good nudge. Huh? What's going on? Why are you nudging me? Roxanne! Look! What is it? Just as Roxanne sat up and got an eyeful, it let out another terrifying moan. Tom, what is that? What am I seeing? Roxanne, it's a ghost! A what? A ghost, a phantom, an apparition, a specter! I know what a ghost is. I guess I was saying that out of disbelief. Yeah, that makes sense. What does it want? I don't know. Well, maybe you should talk to it. What? You know, see what it wants. All right, I'll ask it something. Excuse me, uh, Mrs. Ghost? I'm 
I'm not sure she's up for chatting. Keep trying. Um, do you need... something? I am the ghost of Harriet Maplewood. I haunt this house and will lament until the curse that keeps me here has been resolved. What curse is she talking about? I don't know. Why don't you ask her? You're doing so well, though. Fine. What curse is it that hasn't been resolved? I am the ghost of Harriet Maplewood. I haunt this house and will lament until the curse that keeps me here has been resolved. Yeah, we heard that part. But what curse is it that keeps you here? I am the ghost of Harriet Maplewood. I haunt this house and will lament until the curse that keeps me here has been resolved. So, you won't tell us what the curse is? I am the ghost of Harriet Maplewood. I haunt this house and will lament until the curse that keeps me here has been resolved. Okay, but is there anything we can do? She just repeated herself, you know, several times. And then she let out another one of those wails and disappeared. After that, neither Roxanne nor I could sleep. There was definitely a feeling of shock. We did just see a ghost after all. And while initially I was scared, and I'm sure Roxanne was also, I think we were both actually more irritated, if anything. I mean, this thing, this ghost, woke us up in the middle of the night and just kept repeating itself. But I should mention, this was just the first time. So this was a regular event? Oh yeah. See, I had taken the week off of work to get moved in and began repairs on the house. And it was probably for the better. Every night, the ghost would come back and say her thing. I am the ghost of Harriet Maplewood. I haunt this house and will lament until the curse that keeps me here has been resolved. And every night, both Roxanne and I would be woken up by this. We'd ask what we could do, how we could help, what could end the curse. We even made small talk, but nothing would get her to stop. And we were always left wide awake and unable to fall asleep again. It was supposed to be a productive week, but in fairness... We didn't get a whole lot done because we were both so tired. Soon enough, the week was over and I had to go back to work. Going on very little sleep and knowing that there was an unsettled and really repetitious spirit in our house was not the way I wanted to go back to work. Nonetheless, the next day I was pretty exhausted. I remember on my coffee break seeing my friend Neil and telling him everything that happened. Wow, that sounds so cool. Terrifying, yes, and annoying, I grant you, but still, cool. Yeah, it's something. What are you going to do? I have no idea. I've done a bunch of research on the internet, but all these websites about ghosts just talk about them and their sordid origins. They never give you an idea of what to do if your house is in fact haunted. Well, except for moving, and we're not about to do that. Not yet, at least. Yeah, the paperwork is a nightmare. Oh, hey, I gotta go. Neil scurried off quickly and rather abruptly. I couldn't understand. Here I was pouring myself out to my good friend, and then he just ditched me. But a second later, 
I saw why. It was our coworker, Bob. Bob was a really nice guy, but he had a tendency to talk incessantly in this monotone, annoying voice. We all called him Boring Bob. And right at that moment, I was about to get stuck listening to Boring Bob. Hi, Tom. Oh, hey, Bob. How's it going? It's going okay. Thank you for asking. I guess okay is sort of a generic answer, but sometimes being generalized like that is fine, so we don't break any sort of protocol regarding human resources policies. But then again, if you're friends with someone, I suppose you could probably be a little more candid than just saying okay. But I suppose it's better to be safe rather than sorry, especially in today's culture. Anyway, how are you doing, Tom? A little exhausted. My wife and I just got a new house. Oh, that sounds super. A new house can be a great thing, but I also understand why it can be exhausting. One of my ex-wives and I bought a house one time, and we were really exhausted afterwards. It's amazing how much something like a big purchase can wear you out. But even more than that, it's all the little things that go with it, like decorating. Bob kept talking, and I could feel my patience running out. I made up an excuse about how I had a meeting with our pencil sharpener supplier and left him rambling. I felt bad ditching him, but... I just couldn't take it anymore. All that week, things at home were the same. We'd get into bed for the night, and then not long after, the ghost would appear and say, I am the ghost of Harriet Maplewood. I haunt this house and will lament until the curse that keeps me here has been resolved. At this point, I didn't even bother responding. I would just sit in bed and casually read, and Roxanne would do the same. It was like we were both giving the ghosts the silent treatment. A few days later, though, both Roxanne and I were more agitated and stressed than we had been. The lack of sleep was getting to both of us, and I knew something had to be done. We needed the ghost to leave, or not be there, or whatever. So one night when the ghost appeared, I tried being kind. ghost of Harriet Maplewood. I haunt this house and will lament until the curse that keeps me here has been resolved. Yeah, hi. Um, so me and my wife, Roxanne. Hello. We were talking, and we're not sure how to say this, but we think it'd be better if you left. We're not sure that this is going to work long term, especially when you won't tell us what we can do to help you and the curse that keeps you here. And both of us are dying for some sleep. So unfortunately, we're going to have to ask you to leave. It's nothing personal. We tried kindness first, but that didn't work. The following night, I made another attempt. This time, I decided I was going to be blunt. I am the ghost of Harriet Maplewood. And you haunt this house and will lament until the curse that keeps you here has been resolved, blah, blah, blah. We've heard this a lot. Last night, we tried being kind. Now I'm going to be blunt. Please leave. Seriously. Like, maybe go away to the next dimension, or the afterlife, or wherever you're supposed to go. Or maybe to someone else's house. That, too, could be an option for you. Well, you're not wanted here. We're asking you nicely. Maybe it's time to take the hint there, Harriet. Obviously, being very direct and even a bit rude didn't work either. We were both getting desperate. I began searching for people on the internet who might be able to help us with our ghost problem. I sent out a ton of emails. And surprisingly, we actually had some people get back to us and offer their help. The first person to stop by was a ghost hunter. 
Um, excuse me, I'm a paranormal investigator, not a ghost hunter. Yeah, he was a little neurotic. Anyway, considering the ghosts had always appeared at the same time and in the same place, it was easy to schedule his visit. He came by one night and we let him do his thing. Roxanne and I waited patiently in the living room. After a few minutes, he came down to give us his take on the situation. So, did you see the ghost? Yeah, I saw a full-bodied apparition that kept repeating itself. This house has definitely got paranormal activity. We were pretty certain of that. What can you do? What do you mean, what can I do? Can you get rid of the ghost? No, I just make a self-professed scientific observation based off of subjective feelings. So you don't get rid of the ghost? You just verify that they're present? Yeah. Okay, dork. Time to go. I was hoping to get paid for this. When that doofus couldn't help, I turned to a priest. I felt good about this. He came over the next night, and we gave him the same details that we gave to the ghost hunter dork. Again, we waited in the living room and were eager to hear if he had made any progress. He was up there for an hour before he came down and met us in the living room. Well, I'm finished. And? And I tried all the usual stuff. You know, exorcism, holy water, scripture, even guilt, because that drove our parishioners away. But this ghost isn't budging. It just keeps saying the same thing over and over again. The priest was of no use, so the next person I asked for help was outside the box. And perhaps eh, a little extreme. He was a terminator. Well, an exterminator. Buddy, I don't know what that is. But it ain't a bug. Oh, well, I thought it might be worth a shot seeing if you could do anything about it. Yeah, I get it. Hey, do me a favor. Don't call me again. After none of these tactics worked in getting this ghost out of our house, Roxanne and I had a very long and difficult conversation. I say we sell the place. I agree. Good. And like that, we made the tough decision to sell our dream house. I called Mrs. Otay the next morning and explained the situation to her. Okay, Pumpkin, I get it. You got a ghost that keeps repeating itself in the house, and it appears at the same time and in the same place every night. Why you didn't just try sleeping in another room is beyond me, but I get it. A ghost in the house is annoying no matter what. So, I'll put this on the market first thing tomorrow, but I gotta tell ya, you may want to keep the fact there's a ghost to yourself. It could kill the market on your place. Mrs. Otay did her usual thing and yacked away. I listened for what seemed like forever. I couldn't wait for the conversation to be over. I just wanted to be off the phone and out of this house. Then an idea went through my head. What if someone were to just ramble and ramble until the ghost couldn't take it? Right away I thought of Bob from work and how people avoided him. Maybe his rambling would get this Harriet Maplewood to take a hike. I figured I had nothing to lose at this point. The next day at work, I asked Bob if he would be able to help me move some stuff in the house. He agreed after a five-minute bout of useless exposition. Considering the ghost only appeared later at night, I had to do some explaining as to why I wanted his help so late. I made up some story about how we were going to be busy till that specific time. It was kind of deceptive, but I had to get him to my house and give this a try. So we ended up coming over that night about 10 minutes before we usually saw the ghost. When he got there, I showed him upstairs to our bedroom where she always appeared. 
Okay, Tom, I'm ready to help you move your stuff. I always like helping friends, even if it is at a time when I'm supposed to be in bed. Like right now, it's sort of late, but I understand that circumstances can be extenuating. But I figure it adds a little excitement to life, you know, like not wearing a seatbelt. But that can also be dangerous, and you have to be really careful about excitement. Yeah, I understand, Bob. Um, hey, I have to run downstairs for a few minutes and check something in the living room. Can you just wait here for me? Sure, Tom, no problem. I can wait here. Then we can move your stuff. But I have to wonder, what is it exactly that we're moving? I don't see any boxes. Are we just rearranging the furniture here in your bedroom? If so, I may need a back brace. I used to buy my back braces from the East Ridge Sporting Goods store. I left Bob mid-ramble. I closed the door to the bedroom and went downstairs and met Roxanne in the living room. What do you think? I don't know. Bob sure can talk. We'll see if this works. Well, if this doesn't work, then I suppose we just continue making plans to sell the place. Roxanne and I didn't say much after that. We just sat and waited patiently. A few minutes later, it was time for Harriet's ghost to appear. I thought it might be best to give it about five minutes and then see if anything happened. Knowing how much Bob could go on and on, I actually gave it ten minutes. Just as I was getting up to go and see if Harriet had shown up, and if Bob had talked to her, I heard the bedroom door open and footsteps coming down the stairs. Bob was making his way towards us in the living room. Uh, hi Tom. Hi Tom's wife. Hey Bob. I was just coming upstairs to get started moving that thing we were going to move. Oh yeah, we should probably do that before it gets even later. Hey, did you know you guys had a ghost up there? Uh, I think I might have seen... Something, once. Roxanne, did you know about the ghost? I thought maybe you mentioned it. Or something. Once. Yeah, she's a real nice girl. Her name is Harriet Maplewood. She was taking up residency in your home until the curse that kept her here was broken. She's very fascinating. Wait, you're speaking with a lot of past tenses. Yeah, well, I met her. She showed up and said, We know what she says. All too well. Yeah, well, we got to talking and... You talked to her. And she to you. Like, she said stuff beyond the whole thing she does. Oh yeah, she's very chatty. See, what happened is that she appeared and she kept repeating that same phrase over and over. I began telling her she needed to elaborate and explain herself better. Well, I have a tendency to carry on. I'm not sure if you've ever noticed or not, but it's a bad habit I've had for a long time. Huh. I hadn't noticed. Oh, well, I tend to ramble and I have a hard time realizing when I start and don't know when to stop. It's difficult to gauge and sometimes it can... Right, well, I started asking her what she meant and then I told her she should explain how to break the curse that keeps her here. Next thing I knew, I was on a tangent talking and talking. Well, out of nowhere, she just blurted out that I needed to shut up. She then explained how the curse couldn't be broken until she found true love once more. Well, after some more discussion, it turned out that we have a lot in common. We talked a bit more and actually really clicked. Do you ever have that with someone you just met and you know there's a real connection happening? Bob was up in our bedroom with the ghost of Harriet Maplewood for about 10 minutes. And in that time, I was hoping that his nonstop talking would be enough to drive her nuts and get her out of the house. Well, not only did that work, but somehow she and Bob hit it off. Like big time. So we found that we were both single and we were connecting so much we've actually decided to get hitched. 
It's crazy to think that I would find my soulmate here in your house when I just came over to help you move some stuff. It seems impulsive, I know, but it's funny how that works. Love is very strange. I suppose you two have a story like that as well. I know this will be my eighth marriage, but I'm willing to walk down the aisle once more. I'll paraphrase. I'm going to have to I got Bob over to my house thinking that his nonsensical rambling would scare this ghost away. Instead, it triggered something in the ghost and she actually began having a conversation beyond just repeating herself. She and Bob hit it off, and that night she left with him. The ghost had found true love. And as per Bob's findings, this would break the curse that kept her in our house. It wasn't long after that the new couple set a wedding date. So you could say, Bob met the ghost of his dreams. What a story indeed, Tom. And the wedding is today? That's right. I'm heading straight there after we finish up here. How splendid. A true tale of love. Yep, it's that simple. I move into a haunted house and couldn't get rid of the ghost. I bring over rambling Bob and somehow that dude got her to talk about something other than her curse. Now they're getting hitched. I don't know. Love is strange. Truly it is. Well, thank you for sharing this story here on Volumes of Fear. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. I suppose that about does it for this edition of Volumes of Fear. We want to thank our guest, Mr. Tom McNeil, for sharing his recent experience. Oh, by the way, I wanted to mention to you, if you're looking for a new place to record your show, my nephew Dewey just got an internship down at East Ridge Public Radio. He's trying to find a new career. He may be able to get you some airtime over there. Ah, yes. I'm familiar with Dewey. He was quite a big support to us down at the local library. In fact, I believe he quit the library after being fired for no-showing work out of protest regarding our removal from the premises. At least, that's what he told me. Yeah, well, maybe it's worth talking to him. Indeed, sir. Well, my lower lunatics, this has been another edition of Volumes of Fear. We'd like to thank our presenter, Crimson Knight Productions, for all of their efforts in helping to get Volumes of Fear produced. Volumes of Fear is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Follow us, like us, subscribe, or whatever it may be to stay up to date. Until next time, like the lunacy, and don't forget to share the scare. This episode of Volumes of Fear featured the acting talents of Ed Rosary, Shannon Riley, Rachel Collins, Swirl, J.C. Rositas, Andy Collins, Derek DeBoer, and Tom Rock. It was produced by Andy Collins and J.C. Rositas and written by Andy Collins. Audio editing and mixing was by J.C. Rositas. Original music was by Crimson Knight Productions. Artwork was provided by Derek DeBoer. This episode was presented by Crimson Knight Productions. Visit them online at vivacomp.net. Like Volumes of Fear on Facebook and Instagram, or you will suffer horrible things.